seems to be focused on prayer tonight. Glad my message is on prayer tonight. <laughs> Let's take our Bibles, turn over to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 33. Yeah, we're going to start there. I'm going to read basically four passages tonight, give you four points, and we're done. We've got a long couple days ahead of us, right? So... We're going to just try to get a little motivated and move so we can get this thing done. And I'll tell you what, um, we're going to be doing something that uh, we've never done before here at Community Baptist. We've never prayed through 60 hours like that. We've never asked four people to show up at a time or maybe even more at times. We'll be here, sometimes less, of course, but boy, it's the sheet is filling up well and we're excited about that. And uh, again, we're, we're trying to Put the emphasis where it needs to be. You know, there's a lot of activity at the church, and uh, it's starting to pick back up again, you know, as we kind of make our way out of this COVID crisis or whatever it is and all that mess. Uh, it just seems that things are starting to pack up again, and we've got, uh, like I say, a youth rally. We've got our family conference on the 25th, I believe it is. We've got um, our, our, our uh, promotion now for three weeks. And can I tell you that, if we're not careful, we get caught up in the busyness of things. We, we kind of get sidetracked. We get distracted even with some good things. But the best things are the things we need to focus on in our lives. And sometimes we do. We find ourselves focusing on the good things instead of the best things. And can I tell you, as a church, the best things are prayer and souls and the Word of God. You know, sometimes, you know, when it comes to these issues, like we're having this uh, family conference, that's all good. That's, that's well and good. But the truth is, is that when it's all said and done, you need people to listen to it. You say, well, we're here. I know. But there's a lot of other people need to hear it, too. There's, there's lives spiraling out of control. Homes being wrecked and ruined all the time. Boy, I'll tell you what we need. Uh, people need what the Lord has for them. How are they going to find out about what he wants for them? Well, they're not going to want to be here if they don't know the Lord. So we've got to win people. That was the main thing God gave us to do. You don't, you don't teach people the Bible if nobody's there to hear it. Sunday school classrooms, a teacher is a great thing, but if a teacher don't have anybody to teach, then it doesn't do you any good. 
So the goal in a, a church is to go out and reach the world with the gospel, and then as you bring them in, you train them and teach them to do what? The same thing you were doing, go out and reach others. That's really the goal of the church, to perpetuate the, the ministry, to continue to grow the ministry, to grow the kingdom. And then in so, so doing, you know, we're going to, it, it'll impact every life around us. You know, you're watching churches die across this country. We see them dying around us, and the reason they're dying is because there's no new blood in a church. You say, well, there's no spirit. There's no spirit when there's death. And let me tell you, life, the only thing that brings life to a church is new babies. You know, you take a home, and some of these parents, we got five, uh, uh, five uh, ladies right now that, uh, that uh, have, are having children in our, our church right now. Uh, let me tell you, there's excitement there. Why? Because there's new life coming. And then when that baby arrives, there's definitely excitement. You know, and if there's not excitement, there's a lot of frustration too, right? But that's what babies do. They frustrate you sometimes. They get on your nerve, or, but they're a joy and they're a delight as well. Well, we wouldn't want to go without them, that's for sure. And you know what? In a church, it's the same way. It's just a big household. There's no babies being born in the house, and there's no new life in the house, then it dies. We're watching churches uh, grow old together. You know, we got wonderful people in those churches, but because no one's being saved and no one's coming and joining the church, oh, they may enjoy the fellowship one with another, but they're dying off one at a time. Pretty soon there's nobody in the church. And if there is, there's a small remnant in the church, and they're probably a little bit less than motivated to knock doors and to go out and reach people with the gospel for one reason or another. Maybe in some cases they're unable to do so. Now listen, there's going to come a day when you can't knock a door. There'll come a day when you can't come to a prayer meeting like this. That day will come soon enough. And the fact is, is that while you're able, you need to involve yourself in the work of the Lord in perpetuating the ministry and perpetuating the kingdom of God and growing the kingdom of God. One day at the judgment seat of Christ, we're not going to be uh, thrilled to tell the Lord that we passed on opportunities like that. That'll be a day when we'll wish we had taken the opportunity. And I just want to encourage you, don't get discouraged, don't, and don't allow the devil to discourage you if you're out there knocking doors or if you're in here praying or you're doing what God's called us to do, the main things. Listen, there'll be the youth rally for sure, but can I tell you something? Prayer's going to be the thing that fuels the, that, that, that ministry and that, that event. We've we, we got to get back to praying, and we've got to get back to reaching people with the gospel the way it needs to happen. I mean, it's just got to be our life. It's got to be our emphasis. It's got to be our mission, just like it was to the disciples when he left and said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. But prayer is paramount. It's absolutely necessary. And again, we have this wonderful promise over in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 33, and Again, it's, it's, it's uh, uh, the passage that the church was built upon, the, that one in Psalm chapter 40. But uh, man, I mean, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest, right? You remember that one? Well, that's not the one that we're talking about. You thought I was losing my mind, didn't you? Just checking to see if you're awake. I thought I might have put you all asleep with that little rant, all right? Jeremiah 33, 3. I got to remember, call upon me, yeah, yeah, there you go, let me see, I'm going to find it, because I'm telling you why, I got a million things on my mind right now, one was this message, 
because this wasn't what I was preaching tonight. So anyway, let's go ahead and uh, who's got 33.3? Who's going to start me off on it? Go ahead, brother. Read it out loud. Okay, do it. Read it one more time, brother. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Well, let's face it. That's Old Testament. It doesn't apply today. Right? I mean, come on. That's the Old Testament. We know that the Old Testament and New Testament is totally different. I mean, that doesn't work today. You call on the Lord. He don't answer like that anymore. That's how it used to work, right? Oh, that's not the case at all, is it? Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and shew thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. How many of you have had a prayer answered in the last year? Some of you were like, oh, I ain't going to be able to raise my hand. I gave you a whole year. Okay, put it down. All right? Now, I'm, I, I could start closing that thing in a little bit, you know what I mean? And, and I, I don't want to do that, okay, because I want you to have to lie, all right? But without a raise of hands, no raise of hands, how many of you have had a prayer answered in the last six months? Don't raise your hands. Come on now. Quit being, you know, quasi-spiritual now. Yeah, I, I had it in the last three seconds. Okay, yeah, I got you. I got you. Okay, so anyway, how about the last month? Don't raise your hands, please. Don't raise your hands. Come on now. You adults are the worst. The kids have not raised their hands, all right? So anyway, the last month, I mean, think about that. Have had a prayer answered in the last month. How about the last two weeks? In just the last two weeks, have you had a prayer answered? Something you were praying for and about that maybe, maybe you didn't even tell anybody and it had to be God because he answered it. Again, all I'm saying is, is that we, are, we, are, we have personal testimonies. We can honestly point to our own lives and our own prayers and we recognize that God's answering prayer and he's doing mighty things. And when the Bible says, call unto me and I will answer thee and shew thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not, we can attest to that and say, amen. That's the case indeed. Man, God's working still. We still have that promise and he still will answer us. Now, there's some conditions on that to some degree. Let's be honest. And we don't have time to get into all of those because I only have four simple points and it would take me an hour and a half and we got to get people home to take a nap before they come up tonight. Listen, you, how, many, how many of you are doing the night shift? You'll be here between, you'll be here between, let's just go 10 and, no, make it 11 and uh, 7 o'clock, between 11 and 7. How many of you are, how many of you are 11 to 7? Yeah, there you go. Okay, yeah, you're tough. Way to go. Proud of you. The rest of you, suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm teasing. No, that's great. It's great. It's exciting, though. So we have this promise here. What a wonderful promise it is. It really is a great promise. Now, I want you to turn to Psalm chapter 5, verse 1. Psalm chapter 5, verse 1. In Psalm chapter 5, verse 1, we're going to note not the promise of God this time, but I want you to note the persistence. It's the persistence. And again, one, one of the things is, is that we've got to be persistent in prayer. And I think so many times in our lives, we find ourselves kind of quitting before the answer comes. You know, we get kind of wore out. We get a little fatigued. We get tired. We get, uh, you know, just a little bit discouraged even at times. But in Psalm chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, notice what the Bible says. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation, the psalmist said. 
Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God, for unto thee will I pray. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. What I see here is persistence. Man, the psalmist David now is speaking, and we know that he went through a number of hardships and difficulties, but yet God blessed him in a mighty way, and he's saying, listen, God, I'm going to be praying to you. And I mean to tell you, I'm going to be lifting my voice up every morning you're going to hear from me. You are going to get tired probably of hearing from me, but I'm going to continue to pray no matter what. Every morning I'm praying. Give ear to my words, O Lord. I want you to hear me now. Consider my meditation. Do you know what he's implying? He's saying, listen, I'm going to be sharing some things with you, God. And the reason I'm sharing them with you is because I've been thinking a lot about them. You say, what am I supposed to pray for? Things that are on your mind and on your heart. I mean, that's what the psalmist is praying about. We make prayer complicated sometimes. You know, what should I pray about? Pray for what's on your heart, what you're burdened about, what's, what's eating at you or what weighs heavy on your soul and spirit and on your mind. Pray for those things. Give ear to my words, he says, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Hearken unto my voice, O my, my uh, hearken unto my voice, the voice of my cry, my King and my God. Notice the passion by which he shares his requests. He's crying out to God. Again, we heard a message, I believe, from Brother Josh not long ago, talking about crying out to God, lifting our voice, having a passion about these things. Where's the cry? Where's the tears today? He goes on to say in uh, Psalm chapter 5, he says, Hearken unto my voice, O my, uh, of the voice of my cry, my King and my God, for unto thee will I pray. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. I just get the impression he's not going to quit. Now, I think it's important we don't give up on our prayers. Amen. And yet, I'll be honest with you, I have given up on prayer sometimes. I've got the praying and I've got life going all around me. Next thing you know, it's like that's not that important to me anymore, I guess. And that happens. But if it's important enough to you, you better not quit praying. Because if you quit praying, you may just miss out on the blessing. You could be just that close to God answering a prayer. Just that close. Boy, I'd hate to miss out being maybe one prayer away. We see here the promise of God. What a wonderful promise. Call unto me and I will answer thee and shew thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. We see the persistence of the psalmist. He's saying, listen, I'm going to call then and I'm going to keep calling and I'm going to keep calling and I'm going to keep calling. Years ago, when I was a teenager, girls would call me all the time. And they'd keep calling, and keep calling. I'm teasing. But anyway, you know what I'm saying. That's how it works. You know how you guys were? You just stayed on that girl till finally she gave in. Now you can't do that because you'll go to jail. But it used to be you could do that. You know I'm trying to be funny about it, but I'm also, you better be careful sometimes. But anyway, nowadays it's crazy. But, uh, boy, we used to just keep on them, all right, your little note and calling them and letting them know, hey, you know, I'm still here, you know. All right. You can harass God, okay? And you won't get in trouble for it. Amen. You talk to him anytime you want, night or day. Amen. Okay, so stay, stay, on, stay in his ear. 
Stay in his ear. Be persistent. Number three, turn to James chapter four. But we're going to note something. Not only do we have a promise and we see the persistence that's required, but there is a problem. And here's a problem with prayer. Look at James chapter 4. James chapter 4. Now, here in the passage, let's begin reading in verse 1. We're going to read through verse 3. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts that war in your, mem- your members? I-, I mean, think about all the studies that the world has made trying to figure out why we can't find- get peace in our world. You know, how come we just can't stop fighting amongst one another? How come we can't stop fighting amongst nations? And how come there's always these battles that take place in the workplace and in the home and everywhere we go? Can I, guarantee, can I tell you that God's already given us the answer? You don't have to spend millions of dollars or billions of dollars to find the answer. You don't have to go and do all kind of, uh, you know, uh, surveys and tests and, you know, all kinds of different things to figure it out. No, you don't need to do that. You just need to read the Bible. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts that war in your members? Where's that lust come from in our members? Now, if we go back and we look at the word of God, they they originate with Adam, don't they? See, the reason why you and I can't get along with each other sometimes, it's because of that Adamic nature. It's not because one or the other is even a worse person than the next necessarily. It's because we got called flesh. It's called the atomic nature that we're allowing to rule us versus Christ in our life. Even in the church house, look how many wars and battles are fought. Look how many uh, uh, irons have come between people and divided the, the people of God. Let me tell you why that happens. Because of that atomic nature, that sin nature, that flesh, that lust in the flesh. I want what I want and I want it now. I know I have to be right because I'm me. And that's really where it all settles. That's where it all falls. And, and here in James chapter 1, he touches on it. From whence come wars and fightings among you, come they not hence, even of your lust that war in your members? And he goes on to say, ye lust and have not. And isn't that the truth? I mean, think about how many things you want and I want in life. Think about how many things you've desired along the way and you just haven't gotten them. Now, you got to be careful because in the long run, many things that we lust after we're going to find aren't really the things that we need the most. Notice he goes on to say, ye lust and have not. Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war. Man, and that is a picture of our culture and our society. A picture of our world. Amazing. Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. No matter how hard you try, no matter what steps you take, it never satisfies. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not. Why? Because ye ask not. What is it you want in life? And I'm talking about, and I, and I hope you'll temper that with the word of God. Because some of you may have wicked thoughts and wicked minds. Maybe you're thinking of the wrong things. And that's not right. You shouldn't do that. 
We're going to see that that automatically disqualifies your prayer because you want something outside of the will and plan of God. But if your heart is right, what is it that you want for you, your family, your marriage that is of Christ and is of the Word of God? Well, let me ask you, how often do you pray about it? How persistent are you in prayer? How, how uh, uh, serious do you take God's promise that if you'll call upon it, he'll answer you and show you great and mighty things which thou knowest not? How much time do you and I spend praying for the things that we desire the most compared to how much we complain about not having them? It's amazing how many, much time we spend on Facebook telling everybody our problems or our life but we don't go to God and talk about those same things. Listen, we're never going to obtain telling our friend our need because our friend can't meet our need. There are even needs your husband or wife cannot meet in your life. And if you don't go to God and I don't learn to go to God, we will forever be in a position where we do not obtain. This idea, I got married so my wife can meet all my needs. You're a fool, friend. There's not a person in this world that can meet all your needs. And if you're stupid enough to think somehow that somebody else can, then, friend, you're out of your mind. It's amazing what's going on in our world today. 50 and 60-year-olds getting divorced because somebody else can meet their needs better. Duh. It's unbelievable. We are so childlike today. Instead of being more mature, we've only gotten more childish. I mean, I certainly could go get some plugs, and I could go ahead and dye my hair brown and black and have it nice and wavy. I mean, I got nice skin. Got that Indian in me. But how ridiculous is it for me at 58 years old to try to be a 28-year-old? And yet that's what we see in our world today. We think you got all these drugs and everything everybody's taking to try to stay young. What is wrong with us? The reason we don't have what we really want is because we're not asking the right person. And we're going to all the wrong places to get what we want. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lust that, you, that war in your members? Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, ye, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss. What? So you mean I could still ask and still not have it because I ask amiss? What does that mean? Well, he explains it a little bit. You have not because you ask not, yes. But if you do ask, you may still not get that you may consume it. You're asking for the wrong reason, that you may consume it upon your lust. Now listen, can I say this? I'm going to pray, oh Lord, give me a soul today. Why do you want that soul? Hey, that's a pretty good prayer, right? Lead me to some soul today. Oh, teach me, Lord, just what to say. Friends of mine are lost in sin and cannot find their way. Lead me to a soul today, Lord. Why? Well, I mean, I want to be a part of that club. I, I, I want to be able to tell everybody I led somebody to Christ. I want to I fit in over there at the church. 
I want another notch in my gun belt. Really? Maybe we're not seeing the souls because we got the wrong motivation. You know, maybe we're not really wanting to win them because it honors Christ. Because he's worthy of all honor. And every lost person ought to be serving and pleasing the master because that's what he deserves. The truth is, uh, you, winning a soul so they escape hell is not really the real reason to win a soul to Christ. It's so that Christ is honored and glorified as he deserves to be of all his creation. Even the rocks will cry out, the Bible says. It's an amazing thing that human beings won't. God didn't save me just to spare me from hell. He saved me to be a token and a trophy of his grace so that he looks good in the end. That's kind of a foreign thought. See, it never was about me. It's always about him. Do you get where I'm going with this? And, and unfortunately, when it comes to our prayers, sometimes they're so self-focused. They're so inward. It's never, if we're not careful, it's not really about him. It's not about his work and his will and his way and what he wants for others and to see him glorified in the lives of others. It's usually, how's this going to best fix? Oh, Lord, save my husband. Save my wife. Why? Well, it'd just be so much easier. Every Sunday, I wouldn't have to fight with him. And Oh, I see. You want him saved for you. It's all about you. You don't, it's, okay, so if he was like a nice lost person, and he like let you go to church and even give you a $20 bill, go get ice cream with your friends afterwards, it'd be cool. I'd leave him alone, he leaves me alone. But I'm praying for his soul because, man, he's making life miserable here. Do you get where I'm going? Now, that's a little exaggerated probably, but I have heard situations where I've thought to myself, I wonder if your prayers are really the kind of prayers that God wants to answer or if they're not being consumed on your own lust. We're going to start praying tonight at midnight. Why are we praying? I'm going to show up because, you know, if I didn't, they'd think I was a bad person. If I didn't show up, they'd think I wasn't all in. That's, I hope that's not why you're coming. I hope you're here because you say, you know what? He deserves my best, and, and he deserves to hear from me. He asked me to, I want to be obedient to call upon him, and I want God to be able to work. I don't want to be the reason he doesn't work. He says, call unto me and I will answer thee and shew thee great and mighty things, which thou knowest not. Obviously, he wants me to call so that he can show up and show off. So I want to call then because I want him to show off so he can be glorified. God's promise. We see the persistence. We note the problem, though. Even in persistence, sometimes, if our prayers are not rooted in the proper motivation, they can it can create uh, a detour, if you will. And finally, number four, look in James chapter 5, verse 16. In James chapter 5, verse 16. This comes on the heels of an interesting passage, and it's been a misunderstood passage for, you know, often. Some people get the idea that, you know, the passage in chapter 5, verses 13 through 16 is 
just, uh, you know, whatever sickness it is, you just, you know, you know, just pray and it's all taken care of. It's all fine. Can I tell you, and I'm not trying to burst your bubble, but, you know, what I was going to speak about tonight was actually um, in our series uh, as we're dealing with, uh, you know, these Bible truths. I was going to deal with uh, dividing the scriptures. And um, one of the divisions, obviously, is the book of James. When you consider who the book of James is written to, you have to be very cautious when it comes to taking church doctrine out of the book of James. And so, again, I don't want to get into it deep or anything, but what I think we find in the book of James here, entering into the passage we're going to be talking about, is we're dealing with some backslidden Christians who've been turned over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh because of their rebellion and their sin. Now we're going to see that Christians are crying out now for their healing because they've repented now. And now they've come back, so now we're saying, okay, Lord, remove that off of them. And we don't talk much about things like that today because you can do whatever you want and there should be no consequences. But unfortunately, that's not the case in God's economy. He even ends here in verse 16 by saying, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. Okay, so what we're seeing is, is that there's something going on here that goes far beyond just simply a prayer that's to rescue us in the midst of our sickness and illness. And uh, there's a little more going on here. Now, in this passage, however, there are principles in every book that apply to us, maybe not directly, but indirectly, and they, they teach us, they, they're admonishing us, and they're for our learning, as well as, at times, they apply to us. In the book of James, again, we have apostates that are addressed here in this particular case in the book of James as well. These apostates really had never trusted Christ, but they were appearing to be Christians, and here they are now addressing issues, and uh, it's a mess. So here we find ourselves now at the end of the book of James now, addressing some prayer issues, and he says, confess your faults, verse 16, one to another, and pray one for another that ye may be healed. And here's the emphasis of this passage, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now, there's a couple things here that are important. He says, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man. And I'll tell you what, the position we find ourselves in today in the world, and, and I don't know about you, but I, I find it more difficult to be purer than ever in this culture we live in. It's just everywhere you turn, there's, there's sin, there's impurity, there's, there's just, um, it, it's gotten, it just seems to be getting darker and darker to a degree. Now, I'll say this, though. There is nothing that the, the word N-O can't fix. That's what I'm saying. I'm about tired up to here of people, fellas telling me that they can't get rid of their internet because, well, I, my kids go to school. My kids need the internet for school. But they're, they're just swimming in pornography. I'm not going to have the internet in my home if I can't control my choices. If I can't say N-O to myself, then I'm not going to put myself in a position to have to say it. Now, I'm not trying to be, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to be coy or anything. I'm just telling you that it's, it's, it's sad today because we come up with all these excuses why we have to allow temptation to reign in our lives. And then we give excuses like, well, I should be strong enough to deal with it. You're not, or you wouldn't be dealing with it. 
So why do we keep putting our... And, and then we wonder why our prayers aren't being answered. It's... it's I, I've told the story before, but years and years ago, we went to a camp. And it, it, it gets to me every time I think about this. But I remember going to camp with the teenagers. And I'm going to be honest with you. My prayer life had slipped. I, I was not getting a hold of God like I had in the past. And I was just kind of overwhelmed with activity. I was extremely busy. And those aren't excuses. They're, they're, it's, it's true, but it, it's not an excuse, if you know what I'm saying. That's not an excuse. But I felt that. I felt overwhelmed with activity. You've never felt that way, I'm sure. But here's the problem, though. Here was the problem. We all get that way, I know, but hold on. Here was the problem. During camp, my son got injured. He got face planted, and his nose was on the side of his face. And I still remember, uh, because I was there in a more, more of a capacity, not as an observer. I was being utilized somewhat as a, a helper at times. I, I did some devotions, and I helped watch the kids during the day. I did some things like that. I was much more actively involved with the teens probably then than I am now. And, uh, well, it wasn't probably. I was. And uh, I regret that, and I want to be more involved with you guys, too. Uh, but um, I remember taking him to the hospital. And while we were at the hospital, I still remember them, you know, giving him a shot or putting something on his face. That's what it was. They put something on his face so that he would be, you know, relaxed. And then they stuck this piece of metal up his nose. And then they started rearranging his nose. You know, I was hearing it crunch and crackle and all that stuff. And I remember praying and saying, Lord, be with my boy. Lord, be with my boy. I just want you to be with him and help him. Lord, this has got to be difficult for him. It's a mess because he's missing out on camp and his nose is all smashed on his face. And You know what I realized? My prayers were hitting the ceiling and that's as far as they were going. I remember leaving my son for a couple hours. He had to wait it off. Uh, wait, I, I had to take him back to camp, actually. I took him back to camp. I dropped him off and I left camp. And I went and sat in my car, and I cried like a baby. I said, oh, God, oh, God, I never want to be in a place again where I feel like my prayers can't be answered. I mean, when I needed you most, I couldn't reach you. And someone says, oh, he would have heard you. Maybe that's why we don't really take it serious, because we think God's obligated. That we don't have to abide by his word anymore. We don't have to do it his way. We can do it any way we want. But honestly, I still remember that day as vivid as I was there. I remember sitting in that car, looking up to heaven, saying, oh, God, forgive me. Because Mark O'Donnell's heart wasn't right with God at that point. Oh, I was preaching. I was still visiting. I was still out winning souls. But my prayer life had slipped. I was doing a lot in the old flesh. You know what? We're all capable of the flesh driving us. Listen, most of you moms can mother without Jesus. Now, you can't mother as good as you could with him, but you can mother without him. Most of you dads can be a father without him. You can go to work and get your job done without the Lord. I mean, what was it, Ravenhill? Brother Ravenhill talked about how he talked to that one preacher and said that if the Holy Spirit left today... Our church would go, my church would go on just like it did before he ever left. 
It's because the Holy Spirit wasn't in control. Is the Holy Spirit in control of your life, my life? That's really an important question, isn't it? He says in this passage, as we close this down, he says, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, and he says, availeth much. Look at the potential. Availeth much. Now, when I say to you, if you come over and do some work in my yard, I promise you, it's going to avail you much. What are you thinking? Oh, maybe preacher's going to have his wife make lunch for him. Man, that, you're lucky if that happens. <laughs> I'm teasing now. It would probably happen if you work more than, you know, five hours. <laughs> it's going to avail you much. Come on over, man. Put in a day's work. It'll avail you much. And you're thinking, yeah, right. You want to know why you think that? Because it's just me talking. You know he ain't rich. You know he doesn't have anything that you really need. Or that you even really want. Boy, I'll tell you what, there's somebody that when he says it avails much, it means something. When God says, you go ahead and pray. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, he goes on to say, availeth much. Can you imagine that? The potential. It availeth much. Hey, righteous man, you keep praying, it avails much. God promises that. It's coming from his storehouse. And tonight we start our prayer at midnight. We start praying for our promotion and for souls to be saved and lives to be transformed and changed. We start praying for our youth rally. We're praying for that, taking a a portion of time and praying even for our family conference on that Sunday when S.M. Davis will be here. Guess what? It'll avail much. It'll avail much. I just want to encourage you to pray. Come prepared to pray. Come ready to pray. I know sometimes it may take a few minutes to get acclimated to things. we got the chairs set up out front in case we're seated. We're going to have some, uh, 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 some wrestling mats in front of the altar so that you can get on your knees if you want and spend some time there without getting up feeling like you're about 90. We got some uh, scriptures over here on these, on, on the ends over here. In the event you get feeling kind of weary or tired or you're feeling a little bit like you're losing your focus, you can get up and come over and read a passage silently to yourself and kind of get refocused back on scripture and refocus back on the Lord and get back to praying. Maybe there's a couple people praying and you had to slip up and kind of stretch your legs a little bit and make your way over there and you're reading that scripture and you may only read just two or three or four, maybe even a chapter, and you make your way back and jump right back into praying. Maybe it's just you here, and you're praying, and you're thinking, man, I can't pray for a whole hour. I feel like I'm redundant. I'm just saying it over and over and over again. Get up and take a, a few minutes and read a couple of those passages that will be posted over there on, that, on those, uh, those pulpits and, and, and get back into the thing and say, oh, God, I thank you for your promises. Oh, God, I thank you for that. I'm going to pray that prayer that you just gave me out of the Word of God. I'm just saying we're going to make it a time of prayer. This is the house of prayer. 
By the time you hit those doors back there, you're not talking walking in. You've done your talking in that foyer, and when you hit those doors, you're prepared to pray. You're making your way down. They're finishing up their prayer, or that person's still praying down here. You don't say nothing to interrupt them at all. You don't say, hi, how you doing, and how's it going with the family? No, it's not fellowship time. It's prayer time. I mean, we want to get a hold of the, 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 the throne room of God and get a hold of Him. A serious business for these next 60 hours. You walk out the door, have a good time. But don't disturb people that are in here, though, because this is where God is meeting with us, and we're meeting with Him. Who's our first group tonight? 12 o'clock tonight, who's going to be here? We got one right there. We got one right there. 12 o'clock tonight. I know Brother Josh is on. Brother Josh Stark, you'll be here. I know we got a couple coming in to pray already. Man, listen, you're kicking it off. Start it right. Start it right. We see the promise, God's promise, the persistence, the problem, however, but the potential. If we'll just address it and deal with it, it'll be a wonderful thing. We'll watch God do a mighty work. Don't you want to see God do something great? Let me me just, I'm going to say this though. Can I tell you that 60 hours of prayer in the scheme of eternity is nothing? Well, we tried that. Our church is still running about the same. Listen, don't, don't let the devil lie to you and tell you that something didn't happen. I promise you, when people come together and pray like we talked about a week ago, things happen. God's going to be working. Don't you doubt that for a minute. I want God to do something visible. I do. But I also know that sometimes God does things inside that ultimately sets the stage for tomorrow. Let's just do our part and pray. Let's trust God with the results. Some plant, some water, but God giveth the increase. Father, we come to you. We thank you for this time together. We love you, and we certainly appreciate these that have gathered. Lord, the majority of everyone in this room is signed up and planning on being there. Lord, it's amazing to think how many people have given time to do this, and I know some just can't do it for whatever reason, but Lord, I know there's the heart is there, the desire is there, and Lord, we are going to come together and pray over these next 60 hours starting at midnight tonight with the express purpose of elevating you and magnifying you and crying out to you and begging you to do a miracle in lives and to do a miracle in our own hearts and a miracle in our ministry here. Thank you, Father, for the privilege that it is to pray, to be able to come boldly to your throne of grace, find grace to help. Lord, that's an amazing thing, mercy and grace to help in time of need. Now, Lord, we need you. We thank you, and we're depending on you because we know without you we can do nothing. You're the vine. We're simply the branches. We'll give you the glory and honor for what you will do. In Christ's name, amen. Let's all stand to our feet. Every head bowed, every eye closed.